Welcome to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and find deeper purpose and meaning in your walk with Christ. If you would like more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org. Second Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. And after this it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Methgama out of the hands of the Philistines, and he smote Moab and measured them with a line, casting them down on the ground, even with two lines he measured to put to death, and with one full line to keep alive. And so the Moabites became David's servants and brought gifts. All right, it's an interesting scripture. Um, just to explain to you what is happening here, David had just defeated Moab. Moab was uh, responsible for killing um, his family uh, during the exile of David. They had done some terrible things to David. And when he defeats them, he, he has them all lay down on the ground and he takes a measuring line. And when he lays the measuring line, every two lines would be put to death, and every third line would be kept alive. It seems like a a pretty uh, brutal thing to do, doesn't it? It it is. However, (laughs) I want to preach to you this morning about something and and here is here I'm going to give you the title of this sermon it's this it must die there are things in our lives that you and I have to measure there are things in our lives that you and I have to measure out and some things when they meet the measurements They get to stay alive. But some things in our lives, when we measure them out, need to die. What do you mean by measuring out? There there are some things in our our lives that when we measure it against the Word of God, uh, there's a scripture here I want to read to you in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and listen to this, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There are some things in this life that need to be measured through the Word of God, through the dividing of the Word of God. One of the things that we find when we read the Scripture is it is very clear that there are some things that are godly, some things that are good, some things that are holy, some things that are wholesome, and those are the things that belong in our life. But there are other things that we keep in our life that have no business being there. They lead us down dark paths. They take us to places that we aren't meant to go. There are things that bring our thought life into a place that it doesn't need to dwell. And those are things that you and I need to get out of our life. There are some things in our spiritual life that just don't belong there. There are some things that we keep alive. 
That shouldn't be. As men and women of God, we have to take out the measuring line of the Word of God. And if it falls short of what God says it ought to be, it's got to die. Saul was commanded to, uh, when he was going to battle with the Amalekites, he was commanded not to let any of them survive. Not a single one of them. And if you'll remember, Saul went out into the battle and he did defeat the Amalekites. And it was this very battle where um, Saul lost more than he won in that battle. It was from this battle and from what had happened here because he was supposed to have destroyed everything. But when, when Saul looked at all the things that the uh, Amalekites had, that he, he desired them. So he decided, instead of destroying them like God said I should destroy them, I'm going to take them and, and bring them back with me. So he, 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 he takes the things that he wanted, the things that he desired... The animals and, and, and the sheep and all these different things. And he brings them back. He doesn't kill them. Everything. It wasn't just the people, but everything was to be destroyed because of, uh, of something that had happened previously when the children of Israel were, were, were wandering. And, and, and here we have the Amalekites should have been wiped out, but Saul makes the decision to leave alone. Now Samuel the prophet, he comes out and, and, and Saul's bringing all these, these people in. And he's like, what is the bleeding, bleating, not bleeding, bleating that I hear of all these sheep? And Saul's like, well, I brought this stuff back so we can make it a sacrifice to God. To obey is better to sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams, right? You've heard that scripture before. So here we are, and, 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 and Samuel actually uh, slays the, the king of the Amalekites, Agag. But in this, we find that the, the ongoing issues that arise from this, uh, this is in, in 1 Samuel Chapter 15, it says, And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Right? That's what it says. But we read on in 2 Samuel chapter, chapter 1, verse 8. Saul's on the battlefield. He asks someone to slay him, right? He's out there. The battle's going bad. And someone is going to slay him. And guess who it is? In verse 8, it says, And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. So it just so happens that the guy who is going to slay Saul, listen, the person, the people who he were supposed to destroy, do you hear what I'm saying? Now listen, the, exactly the people who he was supposed to, it was an Amalekite who killed Saul. Now, we fast forward, and we get to the book of Esther. If you know the story of Esther, the, the whole underlying thing that's happening in the book of, the, of Esther is there is a guy named uh, 
Haman, and he is seeking to destroy the people of Israel, the Jews, right? That is, that is what's happening in the book of Esther. And it's a story about how God uses Esther to deliver his people from their impending doom at the hand of this man named Haman. But I want you to listen in Esther chapter 3, verse 1. It says, And after these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hathmenadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set him above the princes that were with him. Now, did you catch that name? Haman was the son of Hathmenadatha, yeah, Hathmenadatha, the Agagite. Who was the king of the Amalekites? Agag. Agagite. This is a descendant from the Amalekites. So now, generations down the road, we have one of those who were left alive, a descendant of the king Agag, the Amalekite, who is now seeking, not just did, did Saul find himself in a place where he was destroyed and killed by... His own sin, the, own, the thing that he left alive, but now, generations down the road, his whole entire people are threatened because of his disobedience. The thing that should have died, that he left live, generations down the road had come back. They were paying the price. Listen, for you and I, it's important that you and I understand that there is a price that we pay. When we leave those things in our life that don't meet the measure of the Word of God. The little pet sins that we have in our life that, ah, you know what, I, I like this one, Right? The things that we, we excuse, we, we excuse them because it, that's not that bad. Or the things that no one knows about, that, that's alright because no one knows about it. It's okay because no one sees, it's okay because it's not a big deal. But there is a measuring line in our life. The measuring line is not how we feel about it, it's not what we think about it, it's not even what I preach about. You understand that, right? It's not any arbitrary rules that someone makes up. There is a measuring line. And that measuring line is the Word of God. Let's read Hebrews again here. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now we've got some pretty... I, I remember back when I was in 8th grade, we read a, a book... In, in my homeroom class or something, it's called The Hot Zone, and it was about the Ebola virus. And they was talking, I remember, and I thought it was so cool, that they had these diamond knife scalpel things, and they could actually go in and they could cut uh, cells. And, I mean, it was so, so sharp that it would cut down to the cellular level. And it was a, But we've never created a knife or anything so sharp that it could cut down and divide the soul and the spirit. But the Word of God 
can get right down to the smallest things in our life and divide between the soul and the spirit. It says, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner. It knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. Listen, some of the things that that need to die in our life may not just be outward actions, but they could be inner thoughts and intents. You can do the right things in your life for the wrong reasons. You can do the right things, but do them for the wrong reason. You can preach. You know that? You can preach for the wrong reason. You re- My goodness, you definitely can preach for the wrong reason. You really can. I know some of you, just, you, you find it totally unbelievable that you can get up and preach for the wrong reason. But you absolutely can. You can get up and preach because you like the uh, accolades that people give you. You, you enjoy the pats on the back, the attaboys, the handshakes, everybody telling you you do a good job. You, you can get up and you can preach because of that and thrive on it and it's the wrong reason you can you can go out and and you can do ministry and you can you can give your time i mean i could i could go up to church camp just and and get up there and spend all week and i can come in here this morning and talk about how tired i am and right I come in and talk about how tired I am, but how great of a servant I am of God. Because I gave a week of my time to go up there and help those poor kids who really needed my help. Because, you know, well, them kids, they just don't know how lucky they are to have such a great servant like I am to be in their presence, you know. That's, that's tongue-in-cheek. I don't really mean that. Because the fact of the matter is, is I get a whole lot more out of it than what I ever put into it. There's one person who was lucky to be up there this week, and that's me. But you can do the right things for the wrong reasons. It's easy. It's easy for you and I sometimes to get things twisted up. We can be enamored with building the size of the church. Amen? We can, we can get enamored with the numbers on the wall. And really lose sight of why we even do it to begin with. I, I've said for a, a long time that I don't want to be the church that grows because we reap the benefits of people leaving someone else's church. Listen, if God tells you to come here, come here. I'm not saying that I don't want people to come here. Uh, don't, don't think that for a minute. But what I'm saying to you is, I don't want the only reason that we're growing as a church is because someone had a fight down the road at their church and everybody's leaving. They're like, well, we've got to find somewhere to go. If you, if you watch churches long enough, 
One of the things that you'll notice is, is it doesn't seem like we get a whole lot of new people and we don't get a lot of people saved. We just move people around from place to place. I don't want that to be what we do here. I want people to get saved. People, people who, who have no idea what it means to go to church, doesn't know Jesus at all, who are like that young boy at camp who just have absolutely no clue and in, in their mind that, that this is this and this is that. But then... Through the power of the Spirit, God reveals Himself and they come to know Christ and that's where growth comes from. The number's not important. It's important that we get people to heaven because I know a lot of places where there are a, 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 a lot of churches where people come and sit and, and yes, they, they have good numbers and they have great attendance, but the power of God's not there and it's not at work. And what difference does it make if we come, if, if God isn't working in our lives? There are some things in our life that need to die, and sometimes it is the intentions of our heart. Sometimes... It's the intentions of our heart. Sometimes it's our thoughts. This is real squeaky right here. I feel like it's getting squeakier all the time. I can't stand still, so you're just going to have to tolerate the squeakiness. Listen, we, we, we really harp on actions. We really harp on actions. If we see someone do something that... We don't like, man, look at them. Look at that awful person over there. You know? And, and, and we're, we're pretty good with, with people's actions. But, and we, we might even be able to talk about desire, you know, doing things for the right reason and all that. But what about thoughts? Listen, I, I want to tell you your thought life is important. And there are some things in your thought life that need to die. Now there are some obvious places I can go with this, and you probably have already went there in your mind, of the things in your thought life that need to die. But I'm going to go a few other places. How about constant negative thinking? He's saying, well, what business does a preacher have getting up and talk about constant negative thinking in a, in a sermon? I'm telling you, there are things that will squelch your spirituality quick. And one of those things is constant negative thinking. Because constant negative thinking promotes negative action. And, and, you know, it, it happens two ways. A, we're either thinking negative about other people. Right? Amen. Well, they're having that ice cream social here coming up soon. And I, don't, I ain't going to that because they ain't going to make that ice cream the way I like it. <laughs> huh? I just nitpick, 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 this. Just constant. And let me tell you, what, what in the world have you helped? 
Because here's the thing, and, 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 and people don't even say it. They just think it in their mind. Well, that preacher, he's all the time talking about being a negative thinking. And I don't know. He ain't got no business telling me. What's he think he is? <laughs> Amen. I, I, have, I have been around people. Listen, I've been around people who have criticized others constantly and so much so that the what once was a legitimate gripe became so pervasive that it ended up being really unfounded criticism and they were now not just making observations they were just being critical it affects what you have in your thought life, affects your heart. But listen, I, I, I don't want to stop there and talk about just the way that we're viewing other people and seeing other people. But, but listen, the way you see yourself. Do you hear me this morning? The way you see yourself. You've got to get out of the pattern of all the time telling yourself you're not good enough, that God can't use you, that He's got no plan for your life, that, 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 that you're just beyond God's ability to... No! It's not true. You've got to quit. And there are some things in our life that need to die. And many of those things happen right here in our thoughts. And I will tell you, the chief of them is the thought that God can't use us that we're not good enough when you spend the week with a group of junior high kids you find out really quick that nobody's good enough in their own mind Friday, Friday evening, which I got back late, but after the service, um, my wife was just walking up the road to the dorm, and one of the boys was you know, had tears coming down his eyes, and she walked up and was talking to him, asking what was going on. Her and, and Tyler, they come up with her, and he's being bullied. He's getting ready to go back to school soon. He was worried about it. While they were talking, another boy says, yeah, I got the same problem. <laughs> so a little later, I, uh, Mackenzie come and told me about it. She said, hey, you really need to follow up with him. So I went over and I found the boys and we, we sat out under the tree in the, in the bench and, and we talked for a while about what was going on. And listen. I told him this, I said, a bully only has the power that you give him. The power, the authority that you give him in your mind. Now listen, the biggest bully you will ever meet is yourself. Listen to that. I want you to hear it. The biggest bully 
that you will ever meet in your life is yourself. When you constantly tell yourself that you're not good enough. Well, I'm not as good as such and such. So what? You may not be as good at this as such and such, but God has something that he has designed you for specifically. I hope you're hearing what I'm telling you this morning. I, I, I feel like there are people who are sitting here right now who need to hear this. There are some things in your thought life, the thoughts that you're thinking about, your, those negative thoughts that you're constantly thinking about yourself, they need to die. God doesn't want them there. They don't belong there. You're His child and He loves you. They don't belong there. The Word of God doesn't bear it out. The Word of God uh, says it's not true. You're loved and you're beloved. From the time that you were formed in your mother's womb, He has known you and known who you are, and He has created you perfectly for the purpose that He's called you to. And this morning you need to understand that. There are things in your thought life that need to die. You are good enough. Thank you for listening to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope this has been a blessing to you and that you will share this with your family and friends. For more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stockdale underscore UCC.